BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to Moneyline. My name is CJ Sweat, your host, and I am joined by my co-host Ben King. Ben, how are you today? CJ, man, I am great. It is good to be here. Uh, you know, we've done these college preview shows for the past five years, and I'm so excited that this year we're going to do a full-time podcast, breaking down games all season long. 
no matter how long that season is. And uh, <laughs> might only be two be, or three games. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. It's uh, it's weird. It's a weird year uh, for college football. But man, I am so excited for it. I'm glad it's coming back in some form or facet. And I'm glad to be here with you for it, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's going to be, you know, I'm just, I'm so starved for sports. You know, I was watching the NBA the other night, um, watching uh, Zion and then watch LeBron. And it's just like, yeah. it, it's terrible basketball because everybody's so rusty. <laughs> they haven't been playing for months, but I'm just like, I don't care. I just want to watch basketball. And, you know, with this, you know, as much as I love basketball, I'm much more of a football nerd. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see some sort of real competition. Um, you know, we're technically about a month away from this thing really kicking off. And I, I couldn't be more excited. You know, I don't know what the, what kind of season we're going to get with COVID. But all I know is, is right now we, ju- we just have to take what we can get. Uh, so here's here's what we're going to do today. So... We are Moneyline, the Moneyline podcast. Um, generally, our podcast is going to look like this. We're going to be here every Saturday morning on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Megaphone, wherever you get your podcasts will be available. And we're going to give you the five best games of the week. We're going to give you our prediction. We're going to give you the over-under. We're going to talk about specific player performances that you can bet on. We're going to talk about the line, all of that stuff. We're going to talk about different betting strategies on those games. Um, That will be every Saturday during the season. Of course, right now, there's no games to break down. There's no games to preview or predict. So right now, what we're doing is our preview podcast where we're going to give you our top 10 teams in the country. Like Ben said, we have done this now for five years. And uh, Ben's been a guest on my show many times. I've been a guest on the podcast that he used to do for Auburn a couple of times. So we've been guests on each other's shows. Uh, This is the first time... We're doing something together. I'm very excited about it. Um, so before we get into our top 10, Ben, let's talk about what the season looks like. I think there are so many different discussions we could have about what the season looks like. But you know, first, let's just get to the schedule part. So right now, Big 10, Pac-12, there are 10 conference games this year, SEC, ACC, 10 conference games plus one non-conference game and big 12 is just keeping everything normal for now. I think I got all of that, right? I think I remembered all of it. Um, Ben, what do you look at this year with everything that's been changing? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, especially without, you know, the non-conference foes. Uh, I think for the sec, which I follow the closest, uh, it's going to be really fun to see really the West and the East comparison. We have the two games that happen every year, but now upping that to four is going to be very, very fun uh, playing more East games because that's uh, usually on the West side more guaranteed wins, but not always. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, if you look at the way it breaks down across the country, uh, out in the Pac-12, you know, there's not a ton of competition besides you know, under Oregon, I'd say is really the top uh, just because of the way that that team has been left out of the playoff multiple times and, or the, the, the entire conference. Um, and, and it'll be more interesting to see kind of how they work within pockets. Same thing with the big 10, uh, big 10 competition within the conference itself. There's four or five pretty good teams that play each other well, and it'll be 
really interesting to see that. Maybe Wisconsin will play Ohio State. Who knows? That'll that'll definitely impact their chances as they usually get to escape them. And you know the ACC over on their side, uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting because really besides Clemson, there's there's no one. Uh, maybe UNC, <laughs> maybe Virginia Tech. Who knows? You know. So uh, more competition within their group will be interesting too. Big Twelve, you know, it's Oklahoma. So who cares? And uh, it, the biggest thing is going to be what happens in the postseason if we make it there. You know. Um, yeah. The the committee's going to have some big decisions on their hands. So they don't have that, that non-conference opponent to really compare within, you know, the selection of the four. So it's, it's going to be such a weird year um, in in comparison to any year that we've seen prior to this, you know, as we were growing up watching college football, we've never seen it play out like this. So, well, uh, and and that's just, that's just the thing is, you know, typically you have 12 games in a year. So you're yeah. going, the more games you have, the fewer teams you have go undefeated. Well, now you've got at least two conferences down to 10 games, two other conferences at 11. Now you reduce the number of games. You're going to have more teams go undefeated. So now the mm-hmm. committee, I mean, the, the committee is going to have, I think, a just a tough job this year of trying to figure out, I mean, what happens if you have five, six teams go undefeated? Do we play? What if we don't play conference championship games, and then potentially you've got two teams from the same conference going undefeated? Well, do you say? I mean, let's say Ohio State, Wisconsin, both go undefeated and they don't play each other. Okay. Well, do you say? Well, Wisconsin played a easier schedule, so we're going to put Ohio State in over them. How could you do that? How could you seed Ohio State in over Wisconsin? You don't know that they played a tougher schedule. They played in the same conference. They technically played the same schedule, just not each other. So. I don't know how you figure all that stuff out, Ben. I mean, I've long been a proponent of reducing the amount of playoff teams, not playoff expansion. But if there is a year where playoff expansion makes sense, maybe it's this year just because I don't know. that I think we're going to have at least four undefeated teams, probably more. No, that's that's a good call. Um, you know, a weird thing about that, because it's just the conference foes, uh I don't know if anyone in the SEC will go undefeated. If they do, then, you know, give that person the national championship right away. That that team, <laughs> like, uh, man, it's going to be rough for uh, for a lot of these teams. But you're right. When it comes to some of the other other conferences, especially the, the I'd say, not Premier Five, um, you've got probably the SEC and Big Ten that are some of the best competitive. But there's definitely a big drop from the top to the bottom. Yeah. In, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC. So, you know, if conference championships come under jeopardy, I don't see how you can't expand the playoff this year. And with everything else going on, you know, this is the year to do it, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's, it's something they've been flirting with. I think if it were me, I've always said, if you're going to expand the playoff, you have to go to six teams. I don't think you can go to eight teams. The regular season college football, it just, it means way too much. It's that you can't expand the playoff to eight teams for the same reason you can't reduce the number of teams in college basketball to 32. College basketball's tournament means the world to them. That is the mm-hmm. sport. In college football, the regular season is the sport. And so the reason I like six teams is because you're giving the top two teams a bye week. And so you're still rewarding two teams for being the top two teams in the country. Um, and then you expand it that way. If you do it eight teams, I mean, 
what what does Alabama care if they're number three instead of number one? Like like really? I mean, it, right and right now, this is the biggest problem college football has. Is I mean, we saw that uh, championship game a few years ago where Georgia was three, Alabama was four, and they met in the title game. Like it literally, the seating in college football right now means absolutely nothing. If you expand it to eight teams, I think somehow it's going to mean even less than that. Um, all you're doing is you're furthering the argument from who should be four and who should be five to now who should be eight, who should be nine. So I think six teams, if it expands, it has to go six. And I do think you're right. If this is, if you're going to expand it or if you're going to even test out what that looks like, this is an opportunity, and you're seeing other sports do this. Other sports are testing out what what else can, what can we do differently. And so I think college football, test it out. See if it works. I don't know that it will, um, but see if expanding the playoff works. Um, because this is the opportunity to do it. Because if it doesn't, you can just come back next year and say, well, you know what? 2020 was a weird year. We did weird things. So what? Um, you get that excuse. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, but but there's so many things uh, you could, so many rabbit trails you could go down. Um, Ben, I think one thing is interesting about this and I don't think we can ignore it. I don't want this to become a a big political discussion. Somehow if you turn on sports radio, that seems to be all it is these days. Um, But you can't not acknowledge the different politics in different States. You know, I had a, a friend who's a big Georgia fan tell me a few years ago, you know, I asked him, I said, why is SEC football so important? And he said, well, because it's like when we play Tennessee and we go up to Tennessee, it's like, it's my livelihood in Georgia versus theirs. It's how we live versus the way they live. It's our politics versus their politics. And that's the way the SEC thinks. I think this year more than ever, that's even more prevalent. Let's take the Pac-12, for example. Oregon, Washington, California will all operate, will all manage this thing differently than Arizona and Utah. I think Oregon is a better team than Utah. But if Oregon has one player get the virus, I think Oregon's going to put off practice for at least a week. If Utah has four or five players get the virus, I think Life continues as normal. And so what happens, Ben, if we get to late September, the season starts, and Utah has all of these reps that Oregon doesn't have, I think Utah could come out of the gate as a much better team because they're practicing more. You're right. Um, Politics will play a huge role in this as well. I mean, with the conferences having so much control over their own schedules at this point, it'll be interesting to see you know who who changes things up midseason who potentially suspends the season who who um manipulates things based on practices uh it it will change and week week to week and we'll be covering this stuff and i'm i'm loving the way that it's going to kind of throw a wrench in the way that we analyze these games because we're going to have to take all that into account as well much like the committee will at the end of the season it's uh it's going to be interesting, and that's why you guys need to listen to us because we're going to bring all those insights to you. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, 2020 is going to be the wild ride. I'm very excited for it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick, short break, and on the other side of this break, we're going to give you our top 10. We're also going to give you two teams that we think you should 
I don't know if I would say bet the over because I think over under wins right now might be a little skewed just because of the differences in scheduling. But two teams we think will outperform their expectations and two teams we think will underperform their expectations. We'll be right back. This is the Moneyline Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Moneyline Podcast back here again. We are very excited for the college football season. We will be... During the regular season, every single week, Saturday morning, giving you five games. We're going to break down those games. It's going to be a great 45-minute listen for you guys as you're traveling to go to your game, tailgating with your buddies. Um, put us on. Put us on on your car while you're out eating hamburgers. It's going to be a really fun podcast. Um, we're, we're very, very excited to do it. And we are here, by the way, on behalf of Full Press Coverage. So if you haven't already, please go to fullpresscoverage.com. Um, read about your favorite NFL, hockey, NBA, college football team. It's all on there. We've got podcasts for specific teams. We've got all sorts of Twitter accounts you can get plugged in with. You can also download the Full Press Coverage app right onto your phone. So make sure you do that. All right. So, Ben, without further ado, and here's how we're going to do this. You're going to start at 10. You're going to give me your team. You're going to tell me why you think they should be ranked 10th. Then I'm going to ship, we're going to shift over to me. I'm going to give you my team and we're going to count our way backwards down to one. Like we're doing a drunk driving test. You ready? Yeah, man, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Let's hear who do you have at number 10, Ben? All right. Number 10, rounding out the top 10, starting with Oregon, uh, Oregon, their biggest, uh, pro they play in the pac 12, not a ton of competition. You said Utah's potentially, I agree to an extent, but I think that because of the way that Oregon has been built up 
You know, they're going to have the best D in the conference. Majority of their defense returns in 2020, including some of the best linebackers in the Pac-12, Justin Flo and Noah Sowell. Look, the biggest question on their side is, one, Joe Moorhead as their new OC in his RPO program. We saw it kind of fail at Mississippi State, so we'll have to see where he goes within Oregon's group. But, you know, their offensive talent is ready for that. And, uh, you know, 80% of their offensive line left, so we're going to have to worry about that a little bit. But they recruit well, and Justin Herbert's gone. So Tyler Slow will have to come in and, and take that over, but they also have Anthony Brown from BC. However, most talented, I think, as far as a football program in the Pac-12, I think they win it again for a second year. And I think they're going to you know, raise as the year goes on, but start the season out number 10. Okay, so you've got them at number 10 with room to grow. And I tell you, if they win the Pac-12, it's going to be really difficult for the committee to keep them down at 10. Um, here's number 10 for me. I've got Notre Dame. Listen, the Irish just got the biggest break in the world. A 10-game ACC schedule with Clemson at home. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. Keep in mind that last year, Notre Dame went into Athens, Georgia, and nearly pulled off a win. Past two times they played Georgia, both have been losses. Both have been within one possession. They aren't afraid to go head-to-head with elite foes, and when they do, they're often competitive. My biggest concern is that when they got into big games last year, they just completely forgot about the running game. Ian Book, who I, I think Ian Book's great. I don't think he's top three, top four talent in this draft class. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite. He had 47 passing attempts against Georgia, 32 against USC, 53 against Virginia Tech, and 40 against Boston College. This team could not run the ball. If they could find a consistent run game this year, I think Notre Dame, honestly, dark horse playoff team, especially if they find a way to upset Clemson because I think they're going to win the rest of their games. Um, so I've got, I've got Notre Dame. Um, at number 10, and I've got them going 8-2 and two this year. Ben, who do you have at 9? At 9, I have Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin has continued to have a solid team. Uh, one reason, and the main reason, is Jonathan Taylor. That guy is yeah. a, uh, a beast of nature. He will definitely um, lead that offense. And he ran over everyone last year. Uh, with 2,000 rushing yards. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, um, their offense will still be good. Uh, quarterback Jack Cohen still there. Um, he is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in almost all of college football, and their defense returns nine starters. So uh, the biggest con I see from this group is they play uh, Michigan, Minnesota, and potentially Ohio State. I haven't seen the new um, schedule from that group. Uh, so they play. Difficult competition, but, you know, so does the SEC. So we'll see what happens with Wisconsin, but I think they're one of the top when it comes to the Big Ten and number nine overall. So I'm going to give you a little bit. I don't have Wisconsin in my top ten. Um, I was close. I looked at them. I think they've got a great coach in Paul Christ. I think he absolutely knows what he's doing and has done wonders there. Um, for me, though, I just I watched this team play about five times last year. I thought they were so reliant on Jonathan Taylor. And don't get me wrong. Yes, you can say, okay, well, it's next man up. That's fine. But when you are that reliant on one guy, I mean, 2,000 rushing yards, and the thing is, is 
they they could see other teams put seven, eight guys in the box and they were still going to run it right down your throat. They did not care. That's how much they trusted him. I don't think you can find a guy to just come in and replace him that quick. So I, I think them finding out how do they replace Jonathan Taylor, how do they figure out who's going to be the next person to be the crutch of their offense, I don't know who it's going to be. Um, so I, just because of that uncertainty, I couldn't put them in my top 10, but I thought they were very, very close. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, all right, number nine for me, I've got Georgia. Really good squad, particularly on the defensive side where they've got seven seniors starting. Now, Jamie Newman transfers in from Wake Forest, and he honestly might be the fourth best quarterback in this draft class. Plus, you bring back Zamira White, perhaps the best offensive line in college football um, that he gets to run behind. A lot of reasons to put Georgia at number one. I just don't trust Kirby Smart in big games. He's had a top three recruiting class every year he's been at Georgia and has one SEC title to show for it. He's mostly beat up on a really bad division. Now Florida's good. Tennessee's improving. I think Tennessee's a dark horse to jump into the top 15. Um, and South Carolina has always given this team problems. Until Kirby Smart can win boy, more big games, I'm just not picking them to get into the championship game. It wouldn't surprise me if they hover around the top five all year long. It wouldn't surprise me if they're in the conversation. But I think end of the year, Georgia's going to find their way right at nine in the country. Yeah, I have Georgia a little bit higher than that. Um, But I agree. Like, Kirby Smart in big games and little games, uh, they're always going to chuck up somewhere. It's, It's Georgia football. It just it just feels like every year there's one little thing missing. And then, I mean, let's talk about Jamie Newman. I mean, I watched him play at Wake Forest. I like the kid. I don't think that he is Jake Fromm. You know, I, I, I don't think he is the next best thing. I don't think he's Trevor Lawrence. I certainly don't think he's Justin Fields. Um, I, I mean, I think he's a good quarterback, but Kirby Smart's had good quarterbacks, and he doesn't seem to win with them. <laughs> Very true. And they let Justin Fields go, which, uh, you know, how can you do that looking at how he performs at Ohio State? I I mean, Justin Fields, I I, I don't know if it's just Kirby Smart couldn't get everything out of him that maybe Ryan Day's been able to get out of him. But, I mean, good Lord. I mean, to me, this draft class is Trevor Lawrence 1A, Justin Fields 1B. Like, I've watched Trevor Lawrence – or I've watched Justin Fields' tape. And here's what I'll tell you about this is if you go back the past 15 years – he would have been the number one overall pick in any of those years, including Andrew Luxier, but he won't be this year because Trevor Lawrence is just that good. Justin Fields is an amazing quarterback. And yeah, I, I can't believe Georgia let him go. Ben, who do you have at number eight? Uh, number eight, I have Oklahoma. And I have them lower just because I take into account who they play. And uh, the I, I don't think... Bad. The Big 12 is real yeah. bad. I don't think that they could do as well as they're going to do this season uh, playing like SEC or Big Ten competition. So uh, the biggest pro for them is the Big 12. And they have 15 returning starters on offense and defense, including all five starters on the offensive line. They lost Jalen Hurts, but Spencer Rattler may actually be better than Jalen Hurts. Um, And biggest concern for them is you know who fills the top wide receiver role but they grab so much talent from texas that i'm sure there's guys next man up to be able to fill that role without any issue 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of think uh, along the same lines as well as Oklahoma. And this is again back to what we were saying earlier. Like, let's just say Oklahoma. They, let's say they play twelve games. Let's say they just crush everybody. But again, I, if they're not getting an opportunity to play Georgia or to play Alabama or whoever, how do I know Oklahoma's a top five team in the country? Like, I, like I don't in the Big Twelve this year. West Virginia is not going to be good. Baylor lost Matt Rule. Oklahoma State's always been Oklahoma's little brother. And Texas, I mean, Tom Herman can't win big games. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Oklahoma's a good team. I think they're capable of getting to the playoff, winning it. But I just, I, I, I think there's so many unknowns about that team, and I don't think throughout this entire season there's going to be enough there to prove that this is a top three, top four team in the country. Um, number eight for me, um, I've got LSU, which is very interesting because I was looking at this roster and nobody's talking about LSU. How could the reigning national champions be flying under the radar? The Joe Burrow story is a good one, but listen, he was just really a piece on a really talented team. LSU brings back 16 starters and has a loaded offense. They lost Joe Brady. They lost Dave Aranda. But Brady was simply a passing game coordinator. And Aranda was a defensive coordinator for a defense that wasn't great. 30th in the country. It wasn't an elite defense. They bring in Bo Pelini on defense. Now, do I think Bo works long term? No. Pelini ruffles feathers. But short term? He's incredibly smart. This year, their defense is going to be good. This is an experienced team with lots of talent, and no one is paying attention to them. I think LSU is going to be in every game this year, potentially even pull off an upset. I've got them at number eight. You know, uh, funniest thing about LSU is last year in our preview, I left them out of my top ten. Yeah. And then they ended up winning the national championship. So reason being, um, look, I left them out of my top ten again this year. Maybe, Maybe I can't learn. But uh, <laughs> I, I've seen LSU play every single year, and I, I just I don't think they can recover and have the same type of season they had last year. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's expecting that, but I definitely think they'll take a step back regardless of all the talent that they have. Um, maybe it's just because I hate them. I don't know. I'm, I'm way more biased than you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to be honest with you, I had them at eighth last year. You did. You, I did. Uh, you at least kept them. <laughs> I mean, we, we no one knew what was going to happen with uh, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. No, 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 that, no. Yeah. That was it, something it, that was unpredictable. I'm, I mean, last year, Ben, we all thought start of the year it was Clemson, Alabama, and then everybody else was just a mile away. Alabama didn't even get into the playoff, and LSU went undefeated and won the whole thing. I mean, it, no, nobody saw that coming. Yeah, uh, Nation, you're welcome for keeping Alabama out. <laughs> and uh, that rolls into my number seven pick. Uh, another team that no one's really talking about, but it's just loaded with talent and has a lot of good coaching coming in. Uh, I picked Auburn at number seven. Surprise. Okay. Uh, reason being, um, Bo Nix to Williams, those guys were elite last year, and that was with both of them being freshmen. Uh, Chad Morris comes in to run the offense, which if you look at the offense from last year on Auburn's perspective, uh, that was the biggest issue. The defense is stout and has been under Kevin Steele for years. Um, sophomore receiving core is loaded with talent. Um, Seth Williams may be the top. But we also have Eli Stove, Anthony Schwartz, Matthew Hill, Shedrick Jackson, 
you could have two sets of top wide receivers within this group. Running backs are great under DJ Williams, Tank Bigsby coming in, and Sean Shivers. Defense lost a lot, but there's a lot of guys that played last year that are next man up. And the biggest con for Auburn is the uh, new offensive line, but that may also be a plus. They weren't that great last year, and having to play the SEC West, including the LSU that you put in this position, Alabama, and Georgia every year. I Listen, I think Auburn has every potential in the world to be a playoff team. Um, it's interesting, Ben. You've got them down at seven. I honestly kind of expected you to have them a little bit higher. What held you back? Uh, there's just a lot of talent, man. And the SEC schedule, um, it could be positive for us, depending on who we get from the East. But, you know, if we have to play Florida again, that's going to suck. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to yeah. see. <laughs> At least you're honest about it. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the scheduling thing with this is going to be really, really important. And that, of course, I mean, you know, I, I think, Ben, we ought to leave room for one adjustment this year just because of the schedule. Um, all right, here's number seven for me. I have Michigan. Before you laugh, everyone acts like Michigan underperformed last year. They had two ugly losses, Wisconsin and Ohio State. They had two great wins. They beat Notre Dame by 30, and they won at Iowa. They bring a lot of talent back on defense, which ranked 10th in opponent's yards per play. They also start Dylan McCaffrey at quarterback, brother of Christian McCaffrey, brother of Max McCaffrey, used to play at Duke. I think Dylan McCaffrey is in a different class than Shea Patterson. Harbaugh's job isn't in trouble, but if Michigan is ever going to make top five noise and compete for a championship, this is the year to do it. Now, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State because it's on the road, and Michigan has not won more than twice or won twice in a row against Ohio State since 2000. Um, but I think they've got an offseason with a more mobile Dylan McCaffrey, which gives Harbaugh time to really plan out his playbook a little bit better than last year, where you had Shea Patterson, and I just don't think they ever found really any rhythm. So I've got Michigan at seven, and I think they've got a lot of room to move up. <laughs> I love that you're still you know, riding the Michigan bandwagon here. I mean, um, what's not to ride? Like Jim Harbaugh, okay, halfway through last year had the same winning percentage as Nick Saban did at hit at the same point in his career at Alabama. It's uh, like every everybody wants to compare him to Brady Hoke. I'm not saying he's Nick Saban, but dear Lord, stop with the Brady Hoke comparisons. He's a good, not a great, but a good coach. Yeah, and I know you say that Michigan has harder entry when it comes to bringing in recruits, but I still feel like he should be performing better than he does. I mean, but okay, but Ben, but based on what? I mean, really, I think it's just based on name. Go look at Michigan's history. They've never been a like it, it. You would have to go back into the '60s to find the last time this team was a consistent top five program. Yeah, you have good points, um, but. Because of that lack of time of being a top team, I left him out on my top 10, man. <laughs> I, I put him in there last year, and I was like, this is the year. So many returning starters. Michigan's got to make it happen. Nope. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I, I'll admit I was a little burned by, by last year, but I, I think all, all said and done, they went nine and four. They made a made a really good bowl game. I don't think it was a terrible season. It, of course, wasn't the season all the Michigan fans wanted, but I mean, I think it's just time to acknowledge like they have these same academic requirements that UVA, that Cal Berkeley, that Stanford, that Ducaf. Those programs are historically not very good at football for a reason. It's hard to find 85 scholarship players who can qualify to get into the school. Um, I mean, like Stanford is always operating at like, I mean, imagine if Auburn tomorrow got penalized with 10 scholarship losses. It would be terrible. Well, that's what Michigan and Stanford are playing with constantly they can't get 10 four-star recruits into the program every year because of the academic struggles. Um, so, Ben, who do you have at number six? Uh, number six, I put in Georgia. And okay. I hate doing that because I hate Georgia. But, man, the talent on this team has to produce something. Like, you can't, you can't not expect something good out of this team. Maybe they'll figure out the big games. Maybe they'll figure out the little games. I don't know. They lost to South Carolina a couple years ago, which was ridiculous. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of questions on this team, though. You know, um, the offensive uh, team now has a new OC, uh, Todd Munkin. The quarterback is questionable, like you said earlier when you talked about him. Like, Jamie Newman looks good. He's 6'4", 230. He's a mobile quarterback. They haven't had that uh, in Jake Fromm. They could have had that with Justin Fields, but they decided to, to go with State Farm. Um, look, Jamie Newman, 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns. He did well, but if you look at playing against ACC defenses, it's not the same, man. SEC defenses are just a step above unless you're Clemson. Right. And, uh, 60% of their offensive line is gone. So big, big questions on this team. But like I said, you know, their defense is going to be stout. There's tons of talent across the board. Next man up should be no problem because they've had years and years of five-star recruits and top five classes and eight returning starters on the defense, including their DBs, Eric Stokes and Richard LaCourt. So those guys are going to shut down the passing game for top wide receivers who they play. The thing is, is like, can they produce? And I think they probably will. Will they be able to play in big games? We'll see. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the question does come down to what are you going to get out of Jamie Newman? I, I think, again, like you said, he's mobile, good arm, good accuracy, not great at anything, though. So he's not going to play at an elite level. I don't think he's got elite field vision. I think he's good enough to move the offense, do what Kirby Smart wants him to do. But if you're going to ask, if you're going to say, all right, Jamie Newman, we're putting the game on your shoulders. We need you to go win it. I don't think he's that type of guy. I think Jake Fromm at parts actually was that type of guy. I don't think Jamie Newman is, though. Justin Fields certainly could have been. I think they made a massive mistake letting him leave Athens. Um, at number six for me, I actually have Auburn, Ben. Auburn's a really good team what? with no weak spots, but I don't think they are elite at anything this year. I mean, they lost Derek Brown. I think the defensive line is going to struggle because of that. They don't run particularly well, which is a bit odd for an offense designed with more running plays than passing plays. I like Bo Nix and this receiving core but again it's not Alabama or LSU last year they also get Georgia and Alabama on the road that's the way the schedule stands right now and we don't know the other two games who they could be playing like you said they could get Florida again I think Auburn honestly could easily sneak into the playoffs 
But if they lost three, even four games, I wouldn't be shocked either. It feels a lot like last year, Ben, where you've got this super, super talented team, but then the schedule and just the brutality of the SEC schedule comes into play. And I just don't know that they're talented enough to overcome that. Dang. And I'll I'll bring up one more stat. I'll give you one more stat that really scares me. All right. So Auburn has not beaten Alabama at Alabama since it, under Nick Saban with the exception of 2010 with Cam Newton. That's the only time they've done it since Nick Saban's been the head coach. So this year they're playing at Alabama. I can't pick Auburn to win that game. If the game were, if, honestly, if the game were Jordan Hare this year, I would have Auburn in my top four. I would have Auburn in the college football playoff because I think they are even with Alabama talent-wise. I just don't think they're going into Tuscaloosa into that environment walking away with a win. There's nothing about the team that just jumps off the page elite level that I think surpasses that. Well, I'll raise you. Um, what does home field advantage mean this year? What, uh, what amount of fans are going to be allowed to be there? You don't really know if it's going to be you know, the Bryant Denny Stadium of old, of of a normal year. So, uh, I don't know. That Auburn's won two of the last three. Well, we'll again, you're, you're, you're right. We, we don't know. Um, again, I'm hedging this bet on the fact that I think the SEC will be the one conference to keep things as normal as possible. Again, it is normal. Is it going to be normal in November when these two teams play? I have no idea. The only thing I know about coronavirus is I don't know anything. Um, but <laughs> the one thing I will tell you about this is I know it's not going to be in Auburn. I know that. So if they're getting away from Jordan Hare, where it seems like Auburn has had a tremendous advantage playing this team, that's what I'm betting on. It's it's less about the fact that they're in Tuscaloosa and more about the fact that they're away from Auburn. That scares me about putting money on Auburn in that game. Gotcha. Hey, I'll uh, I'll give you a couple things as well. Um, look for Big Cat Bryant, KJ Britt, and Tyrone Truesdale to wreak havoc on opposing offenses. Uh, they're the senior leaders on the defense this year, and with the way that we rotate players, it's uh, it's going to be fun to see them play. And then with the offense all having a year under their belt after being almost all freshmen last year, right? Uh, should should be good. Should be good. I am embarrassed that you put them above where I did. So um, <laughs> I was surprised. You said Auburn seven, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to start licking my lips right now. Um, <laughs> but on. yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I listen, I think they're really, really competitive. I just think they're playing away from Jordan here in two really competitive games that they're going to need to win both in order to get in. I just don't think it, it's going to happen, so I've got him at six. All right, Ben, who do you have at five? Uh, number five, I have Florida. And okay. the reason being is I think definitely almost every year it's been Florida and Georgia playing against each other has been who wins uh, the East, but – you know, after last year, seeing Kyle Trask come in for Felipe Franks when he got injured, uh, he just took over that offense and made it something special, which is interesting because they weren't that great prior. And uh, they're returning almost all of their offense this year. So offensive-wise, Florida will be strong. And defensive-wise, you know, they don't lose too, too much. And we'll also be good on that front. So you have to have a good defense to to play within the SEC. I think the biggest question is, who do they get from the West? Who do they have to play on that side? You know, they play LSU every single year. Um, They're playing them at home this year, so we'll see what happens there. I don't think LSU will be as good as they were. So 
you know, if they get past that and past Georgia, I don't see someone beating them. I, I think Florida to me is a mystery team. Um, I I don't have them in my top ten. Okay, although I I nearly had them as high as you did, Ben, <laughs> for like every reason that you stated. They returned so many players on this team, eight starters on defense. They do lose LaMichael Perrine. I think that's a big loss. They bring in Damian Pierce. We'll see what he can do. And then Kyle Trask, really talented quarterback. Although I don't think. I don't think he's got any sort of NFL potential. I don't think he compares to a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, anything like that. Um, the big news is, and this came down uh, not too long ago, that Tr- Trayvon Grimes is going to actually return for his senior season. So that's huge for Florida getting to bring him back. Um, I think picking Florida, if the SEC is going to only play 10 games this year, picking them to win anything more than eight feels really risky. But anything less than seven feels just as risky, too. I have no idea what this team's going to be, um, which is why I didn't put them in my top ten. But it would not shock me at all if they performed like you're predicting. Um, number five for me, I've actually got Oklahoma. If there is a team that is more of a mystery to me, let me know. I have no idea what I'm getting from Oklahoma in terms of offensive production this year. Lincoln Riley has convinced me that one walk-on and three transfers are worthy of first-round draft consideration. And I still do not think Jalen Hurts is going to play to that level. How good is Tanner Mordecai? Can they replace CeeDee Lamb? I don't know. But the question, Ben, is when you got Lincoln Riley... Does it actually matter? Um, now, Oklahoma is one of the best offensive lines in the country, and they actually have a defense that I think will be very stout. Caleb Kelly and Trey Brown are absolute studs. Also, who in the Big 12 can compete? Texas, don't buy them. They haven't won a big game with Tom Harmon. Baylor, there's no more Matt Rule. Oklahoma State's always been their little brother. Oklahoma's going to plow through this conference. And if quarterback's the only question mark, can't I argue that Lincoln Riley is good enough to make up for it. So I think Oklahoma is going to be right there in the thick of it in this playoff race. I think they're going to go undefeated, Ben. Oklahoma at number five. Mm. I can definitely see it. I think they're going to go undefeated too, but I just don't think their competition is as good. Um, at it, my For the record, going, by the way, I've got five yeah. teams going undefeated. Okay, so Oklahoma's one of them. The next four teams on my list are going undefeated. that's what i think is going to happen all right who do you have at four uh at four penn state really okay yeah james franklin uh sean clifford the offense returning the nine starters 60 percent offensive line coming back solid running back core you know uh they lost kj hamler as their top wide receiver but i think that they found next man up and there's questions on the defense but they've been good the biggest thing is, you know, they, uh, they're they playing in the Big Ten and they can't beat Ohio State. So if they can find a way to get past that that powerhouse, uh, solid, solid performance for Penn State this year. So you've got Penn State at four. Um, I've got hey, – listen, I, I think one of our – one of our four – Teams ranked fourth. I think one of them is going to substantially fall off. Of course, I think yours is probably more than likely to do that than mine, but that's neither here nor there right now. Um, At number four for me, I've got Oregon. There's no team I want to love more than Oregon's 17 returning starters. And I will tell you, when I pick over and unders, I will almost do it exclusively based on the amount of returning starters. No tough away games. A conference that's incredibly winnable. Aside from Utah... 
Who's really going to give Oregon a run? Similar to Alabama's quarterback question, though, Oregon has to find a way to replace Justin Herbert. Now, I don't think there's going to be a batter. Tyler Shaw will win the gig. The question is, how reliable is he? He has a really good presence in the pocket and great awareness. He doesn't do anything that pops, though. In fact, I don't know that I'd say he's as good as Jamie Newman from what I've seen on tape. No elite arm, not not crazy elusive. He's just smart, and he makes the right play, which can win you a lot of games. Oregon's going to be really good. But I think their championship hopes rest on his shoulders. If he can outperform my expectations, I think Oregon could literally win the national championship this year. I think they are that loaded everywhere else on the team. They're that experienced. I just think it comes down to that. So, Ben, I've got Oregon going undefeated, getting into the college football playoff. But I think what's going to hold me back from picking them to do anything more is going to be the play of Tyler Shaw. So I've got Oregon at four. Who do you have at three? Uh, number three, a team that I hate to put here, is Alabama. Okay. So Nick Saban has a decade of top five recruits. You know, yes. Two is gone, but Mac Jones last year stepped in and was great. If they hadn't um, missed a field goal near the end of the game in the Iron Bowl, he would have won his last or first two games, first two starts, last two games of the season. Um, Najee Harris returns. Somehow they got him not to go pro. 80% of the offensive line returns. Jalen Waddle may be the biggest threat on special teams as well as a wide receiver. Their wide receiver core, I'm sure, will have next man up for the guys that they lost. Um, biggest question on this team is, you know, Saban's defense hasn't been what it has been in the past. Uh, it will be better this year, but will it be championship defense? Don't know. Um, he's lost to Auburn two of the past three seasons. So what will happen in the Iron Bowl this year with the coronavirus impact? We'll have to see that. However... It's Alabama, man. They've they've just got so much talent that you expect them to be back. Yeah. So just to let you know, uh, this is going to be one where you and I agree on. Um, I have a feeling this may be a common theme with our next few picks here, but I've got Alabama number three. Listen, this is the best team in the country except for quarterback. I do not think Mac Jones is reliable enough to win you a championship. Personally, I don't think Nick Saban even trusts him. During the four games which he started last year, he averaged just 24 and a half passing attempts per game. That's compared to the 30 passing attempts per game that Tua averaged. Here's the thing, though. Bryce Young, he is Russell Wilson talent, but he's really, really raw. If he starts... And if he can get past that freshman um, lack of experience, which is what Tua had to do, I think this team could be really, really good. We could, we need to see what the schedule looks like. But they get Auburn at home. We know that. And since Saban took over, Alabama's only lost once to Auburn at home. And that was in 2010 to Cam Newton. Um, I've got Alabama here because, again, they're not losing that game. And good Lord, I think they could be the number one team in the country if Bryce Young gets the start and if he can overcome that lack of experience, Alabama three. Who do you have a two? Two, Ohio State. Okay. Uh, just because, you know, it, it's a toss-up between the top two. Yeah. It's a toss-up between the top three. Um, but top two especially because of the talent they play. And, look, Ohio State plays in the Big Ten, and there is a very competitive uh, competition in the Big Ten. But Ohio State just seems to always prevail within that group. Justin Fields is probably one of the best quarterbacks in college football this year. Potentially one of the top five picks. We'll see where that happens. The wide receiver core is solid. 
60% of their offensive line returns in 2020. They have questions at running back. Uh, they have Oklahoma transfer Trey Sermon and Master Teague uh, had an Achilles injury, so I, I think his season may be done before it even starts. Uh, defense lost a lot of talent, but look, it's Ohio State. They recruit so well, and they bring so much. The The new defensive coordinator, we'll see what happens there. But, man, I, I just think they're probably going to win out the Big Ten once again. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any way Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten this year. Um, again, question at running back, uh, which I'll get to here in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. They're, they're going to win out the Big Ten. Um, number two for me, I actually have Clemson, Ben. I had to put Clemson here at number two. I'm going to put Ohio State number one. I'll tell you why. Listen, I love a lot of things about Clemson. This is the best coach-quarterback combo in the country, and you have the best defensive coordinator. But I think there's some obstacles. One, Justin Ross out for 2020 and T. Higgins graduated. That's two elite receivers just gone. Number two, they got so complacent last year. In many, and I watched a lot of Clemson football last year. In many games, they would just boat race teams early, get complacent, and just play keep away late. Now, that's fine when you're playing Boston College. But as we saw, you're not going to boat race LSU in the first half of that game. Clemson got boat raced, couldn't figure out how to get back in it. They got boat raced by Ohio State last year in the semifinals, found a way to get back in it, but man, oh man, do they need some breaks to win that game. UNC was the first team last year to really push them around, and if you watch that game, I don't think Clemson found any rhythm. They, again, just got some breaks. The schedule is workable. They got to go to Notre Dame. That's a tough game, but I think Clemson wins. My concern is that the lack of a week-to-week competitiveness in the ACC will produce a team that's just lackadaisical once again in the playoffs. So I think Clemson's going to get there. I think they're going to be in the thick of it. But now you're replacing two great receivers. Now you're going to play again a really weak ACC schedule. I think there was a reason they looked like they did in the first half against Ohio State, and they looked like they did against LSU, and I think we're going to see more of that in 2020. I've got Clemson at number two. Ben, um, tell me why Clemson's number one. Uh, Unless you just don't have them in your top ten, and then we've got another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've Clemson number one. Uh, I think the combination of Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney, they look at that tape from playing other competition, and they just cream teams. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be a weird season already, so why not just smash your competition um, the biggest thing is they're going to have to play well in practice because they need to play each other full out so they know what it's like to play a good team. You're right. There's not a lot of competition within the ACC, but I just think the talent on this team is so well coached and so um, elite when it comes to the rest of the ACC. There's going to be no problem for them going undefeated, which will get them up here. And, you know, Dabo is not stupid. And neither is Brett Venables, one of the best defensive coordinators and top paid in the country. There's a reason for that. Um, they got their, uh, and I was really hoping you'd say his name because I can't remember how to pronounce it. Uh, Travis Etney? Uh, Etn. Travis Etn. Yeah. I always heard that and I never knew how it was spelled. <laughs> and then I found it and I was like, I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Travis Etn. Uh, return for his senior season, man. Why yeah. would you come back when you were that good last year? It's because he believes in this team. Um, the defense will be stacked. Uh, no one rivalries rivals them uh, in the ACC. And I just think there's so much talent on this team. That I think Clemson's back again. 
it was almost it was almost a freak last year. They had what a thirty game win streak or something like that. Yeah, I think they're coming back. Well, I tell you, if there's any team that's maybe happy about the lack of non-conference scheduling uh, due to COVID, it may be South Carolina because this will be one year they don't have to worry about getting crushed by Clemson again. <laughs> that's um, so true. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I saw Gamecock fans rejoicing last week. Will um, Muschamp's response to that was so funny. <laughs> what what, what did Will Muschamp my, say? He said, uh, it was out of my control. I'm looking forward to uh, reestablishing that rivalry in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Will well, Muschamp may not be there to reestablish that rivalry. We'll see. Oh, so true. Um, yeah, so num- number one for me, I've got Ohio State. Listen, there's just... And I'm, I think every team has a weakness. I think every team is vulnerable to a point. But there's so many reasons like Ohio State this year. Let's just go down the list. One, Justin Fields. This quarterback draft this year, it's 1A, 1B. Fields is the 1B. And, friends, it's really, really close. If he passes uh, Trevor Lawrence, as much as I love Lawrence, would not it would not surprise me at all. Any other draft class in the last 15 years, he's the number one pick. Number two, this is a really talented pissed off team that feels robbed from a year ago. They you do I will never bet against a really talented pissed off team. My favorite time to pick a team to cover to cover a line and I do not care what the line is. When I see a talented team that gets beat and they're pissed off, the next week I will take them. I don't care what the line is. Number 3, their biggest loss, Chase Young plays defense. Where Ohio State returns nine starters and only has juniors and seniors in the starting lineup. Literally, it is only upperclassmen in the starting lineup. The defense is loaded. Everybody's saying, oh, they lost Chase Young. No, no, no. Ohio State's defense is going to be absolutely tremendous in 2020. Number four, secret weapon, Trey Sermon. He ran for nearly a 1,000 yards in 2018 at Oklahoma, an offense that is pass-heavy and uses multiple running backs. If he's back healthy, I think Trey Sermon is actually a difference maker for Ohio State and is good enough to take a load off Justin Fields. Now, I do not, and here's where Ohio State's weak. I don't trust Ryan Day. I don't trust him in big games. That picking him over Dabo Sweeney concerns me because I think, and all, all the all the Ohio State fans, they want to blame the refs last year for that loss. It is not on that. It is absolutely a hundred percent on the shoulders of Ryan Day for calling the game the way he did down the stretch, and that team just simply was not disciplined. But because of the way they lost, I think they're so pissed off going into this year. I think they're just going to crush through the Big Ten, and I think they will just be sitting there waiting for the playoff to happen, and they're going to be so amped up going into those games. I don't think they're going to lose them. I think it's really close, but I've got Ohio State one um, in the country this year. I think they're going to go 10 and 0. And I think this year, Ohio State's going to win the national championship game. So there you go. Mm. Big call. Big call big. early in the season. <laughs> is it? Is it a big call to say Ohio State's number one? I will tell you, I have to keep Nicole away from the show um, now that I have done this because she there is not a team that she hates more than Ohio State. Um, all right. So, Ben, two teams. I want you to give me one team real quick. So, we'll, we'll start off first. One team that you think is going to underperform, um, and then we'll go one We'll go a, one team that overperforms, and then we'll repeat it again. So, who's give me one team you think underperforms this year. Underperforms. See, here's the thing: is uh, there's so many questions in my top ten. I almost want to pick one of those guys. Oh, you can. Uh, yeah, there's nothing against that, Ben. Yeah. All right. 
uh, underperforming. I'm not holding you to any rules here. I mean, like, no, no, th- this is a podcast. It's not a homework assignment. I'm calling myself out for the listeners who didn't hear me. Okay. Uh, number nine on my group, Wisconsin, I think, will underperform because I thought they had Jonathan Taylor still. Am I just – am I stupid? Like, how ben. did I miss that he left? <laughs> We, we we might need to have a discussion about this later. Uh, you, yeah, you may you may have some homework after this is over. <laughs> I will. Um, so you're selling your number nine team. I am selling my number nine team, bro. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I, I will tell you, uh, that's also one of the teams I'm picking to sell as well. Just because you lose a player like Jonathan Taylor, I don't know how you replace him. I don't like necessarily the quarterback play of Wisconsin. I like Paul Chris, but I just think, again, it's not, I'm like, go back to LSU when they had Leonard Fournette, right? Yeah. Like they relied so heavily on Leonard Fournette. They came back the next year in 2017. It was not the same team at all. Um, and then I, I think that was the year they let go of Les Miles. So, I mean, like when you go so heavy on a player like that, and you're so weak at a quarterback position like that. I just don't trust you to win the following year when that player leaves. So I'm I'm 100% selling on Wisconsin. All right, Ben, who's your other team you're selling? Yeah, so uh, to defend myself, um, Jack Cohen's an efficient quarterback, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, team I'm selling is Texas A&M. So, okay. look, people think that they're going to be good. And I think Kellen Mond is overrated. He thinks he's elite. I disagree. Uh, Look, maybe FSU was a fluke, but I I just don't see this team, especially with the SEC talent, being better than, you know, seven and five. It's going to be tough. They're in the West. They play elite teams. They're going to lose to a lot of them. So I'm selling uh, selling Texas A&M. All right, so you're going to sell Texas A&M. I'm selling Penn State. A lot of people are on this team. I'm not at all. I don't know that this team actually finishes in the top 20. They may honestly finish unranked for with everything I'm looking at. If you look at what they did last year, they just survived on defense and they ranked 16th in opponent yards per play, which is a if you're if you're going to bet on teams, that is a huge stat that people use. So that, that's a big important stat to me. 16th, and they lost a guy named Yetter Gross Matos. I think that's a huge loss. They're not going to be the same team defensively. They get extended Big Ten play, so you're not going to get those non-conference games where they're going to look great. You're not going to get that real close game against Pitt where they find a way to win it late. Not to mention. Does anyone really trust Sean Clifford? And this is the biggest reason for me I cannot pick Penn State this year, and I am selling this team, is because I do not trust Sean Clifford at all. On four occasions, he completed less, only on four occasions, rather. Only on four occasions did he complete over 60% last year. Here's who those games were against. Buffalo, Idaho, Maryland, and Purdue. I think this is a down year for James Franklin because I don't think he's got a very good quarterback. In fact, I think he's downright terrible. I think he's losing a lot of the players he had last year on defense. And there's nothing about this team. They don't have a Saquon Barkley. They don't have that elite offensive presence that they can just say, hey, we're going to put this game on your shoulders, go and carry us. They don't have that. So I don't know how they're going to get through a Wisconsin if they play. I don't know how they're going to get past Ohio State. I don't think they're going to get past Michigan either. I wouldn't be surprised if they get uh, surprised by Michigan State 
or Purdue. I think they're going to struggle an awful lot this year. Will they be a bowl team? Yeah, I think they're a bowl team. But I do not think that Penn State is a top 15 program in 2020. (laughs) I had them as my number four. What's that? I had them as my number four. Yeah, I know. And I just crapped all over them, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So give me one team. Who who do you, who is a team that right now, not many people are expecting to be great and you you think they're going to overperform expectations? Yeah. um, I have to give respect to the Wisconsin Badgers. To the Man, Minnesota Golden For the Gophers. love, can we please get off of Wisconsin? Good lord. I, dude, dude, Minnesota Golden Gophers. I, to, uh, to the, the, the cheeseheads up. up in the state of Wisconsin, if Ben King mentions your team, I'm going to send you an apology letter. If you just give me your name and address on behalf of the Moneyline podcast, I'm sending you an apology letter and like a $5 gift card to Star- Starbucks so you can get a hot chocolate once it gets cold. I am so sorry. <laughs> all right all right so all right. minnesota <laughs> minnesota look we played auburn played minnesota in the whatever bowl that is the uh outback bowl and i have never seen a team just own the game the way they did look pj fleck is a solid coach he has a really good way of grinding and the way that they call row the boat didn't believe it till i saw it Crazy thing is, in 2020, they res- they uh, return almost their entire offense. Um, they are going to be just as good as they were last year. The question is, you know, Big Ten, where do they fall within that? Don't really know. But I expect them to improve year over year, if not um, be just as good as they were. And, you know, Golden Gophers, uh, my respect goes to that team. Yeah. Not no, Wisconsin. I, I- I think Minnesota. <laughs> well, and again, let's let's talk about Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, I think, is going to be down. I think I've now now that you know Jonathan Taylor is no longer there. I think I've convinced you yep. of that. Um, yep. So with Wisconsin down in Minnesota, which I wouldn't put as a top ten team, I think there's a good chance Minnesota could win the West Division of the Big Ten this year. Yeah, believe it. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think Nebraska is going to compete with them. I think Nebraska is still two years away. I think Wisconsin's rebuilding this year. Um, uh, Iowa, I think, has work to do. I think Minnesota's got a really good chance to to do that. Um, all right, so one team I'm buying. Listen, LSU, I've got them number eight. I, I think, honestly, if LSU found their way back into the playoff, I would not be shocked. Um, I want to see what they do at quarterback. I do. I'm not saying replacing Joe, Joe Burrow is the easiest thing in the world, but I thought him going number one overall, I kind of chuckled at it. He's not a number one overall prospect. He's probably closer to 15th to 20th, which again is good. But if you look at returning 16 starters, you don't only start 22. So you're returning 16 starters. That's almost like 80% of the team coming back that's starting. LSU is going to be a really, really good team. I like Joe Brady. I do, but I'm not going to say that Joe Brady is the reason why Ed Orgeron all of a sudden found a way to win a championship last year. I I think, honestly, Ed Orgeron is a much better coach than we give him credit for. I think a lot of people talk trash about him because 
quite frankly, the, the stereo, the persona that he puts on. I think LSU is going to be right there in the thick of this thing. If they upset uh, Alabama, it wouldn't shock me. If they end up playing Georgia or Florida and they win that, it wouldn't shock me. If they play Auburn and they win that, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship. I've got them eighth, but I think LSU is going to be right there in the thick of every game. All right, Ben, one more team. Who do you think overperforms expectations? Well, about writing letters to teams, uh, maybe we need to write a love letter to Coach O. So you've uh, got a lot of love for that team that I just I just don't know, man. You're right; they're talented, but they're always talented, and they're not always good. So they're they're mid tier SEC, yeah. I we'll we'll see. A lot of questions. Um, big thing for me on uh, the team on a buy-in, and I know you're gonna crap all over this too. So I'm excited for it. I think North Carolina is probably the oh, best dear team. Lord. Or second best team in the ACC, behind way, 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 way behind Clemson. So uh, look, they're returning so much of their team, and Mac Brown is a great coach. He was kicked out of Texas, yeah, but look at the career he had there. He's going to build something like that at UNC as well. Why am I, I wrong, CJ? I well, listen. I'm never going to say <laughs> Mac Brown's a bad coach or anything but a great coach. I absolutely agree with that. I just think this is a team last year that won seven games. Like, that's it. They won seven games, and now all everybody wants to put them in their top 20. <laughs> like, no. I mean, like, yeah, they gave Clemson a fight. Did you watch the game? Clemson's ten times as talented as UNC is. They came out. They looked like crap. They played with absolutely zero heart for the game. It, to me, I've never been more critical of Dabo Sweeney than I was in that moment because they should have beat they should have beaten Carolina by thirty. It, it shouldn't have been that close. Um, but Carolina also went and struggled with Georgia Tech. They also lost to a bad Virginia Tech team in six overtimes. They also struggled against a Duke team that didn't get into a ball game. They lost to Virginia. They lost to Pittsburgh in overtime. Um, and they were down 10-6 to against a very bad NC State team at half. That was their last regular season game. Yeah, they crushed their bowl game against Temple. Again, I'm not saying Mac Brown isn't a great coach. I'm not saying Sam Howell isn't going to be a great quarterback. This team's going to be competitive. But the idea that Carolina all of a sudden should be the favorite to win the Coastal when I know Virginia Tech is returning all of their talent and I know Miami's returning all of their talent and I know uh, you, you've got Boss, or uh, Pitt returning talent. Like, I just, I don't buy this at all. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be fun. But I think everybody has jumped on this train way too early. They're a year away from being where everybody thinks they are right now. <laughs> but I think they're going. I think they're going that way. So I'm buying them. Okay. Well, well Ben, you're wrong. Um, here's, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here, here's a team that I think will overperform. And Ben, you're going to hate me for this one. I think Virginia Tech's going to be a lot better than experts are thinking. Now, listen, experts want to criticize this team for Bud Foster. I don't think anybody should take it. I don't want to say this and take anything away from Bud Foster. I don't think he's been the same defensive coordinator for the past three years. I just don't. Um, I think part of what he's done, I, if you watch some of those games, I mean, like, friends, Duke put up 45 on him last year. Duke put up 45 on them last year. Miami, with a bad offense, scored 35 on them. North Carolina put up 41 on them. Like, this was Boston College put up 35 on them. Like, this was just not a good defense last year. Well, they returned 10 
starters. Ten. Offense, they bring back Hendon Hooker, who I think is going to be very, very, very good um, at quarterback this year. Um, They've got a lot of nice, talented players on this team. They've lost some talent as well. Um, I I think this is one of those teams just because of transfers, because of players not wanting to play because of COVID, and because I don't think Justin Fuente really has a handle on this locker room, which, by the way, is a reason why I wouldn't buy this team in the long term. I, I think those are some legitimate questions. That's why they're not my top 10. I wouldn't have them in my top 15. But I think Virginia Tech is going to be a tough team to put away at any point in the season this year. They're going to be right in the thick of every single game. So I've got Virginia. Listen, I think Virginia Tech overperforms expectations. Uh, I've seen Virginia Tech have some of their worst seasons uh, that I've ever seen over the past few seasons. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fuente isn't going after the right recruits. I don't think he's recruited well. No, not uh, at we all. just took Auburn took one of their recruits uh, for quarterback, um, one of the top recruits out of Texas. Like, why are you going to Texas, dude? You're in Virginia. That's how uh, Frank Beamer built the program. Yeah, so, no, I mean it's Ben. You're, you're absolutely right about this. Like, and this is why again, long term, I don't think Justin Fuente survives two, three more years at this program. I think next year they're going to lose a bunch of players. They're going to fall off the map and be terrible. Um, I think the ball street could end next year just because if you look at recruiting, Tech has been absolutely awful. And you're right. They go into Texas. They get guys that have no business coming into this program. They're three. They're, they're getting Texas and Oklahoma leftovers. Well, okay. I mean, Texas right now isn't even as good as when as Virginia Tech was when Frank Beamer had them at their peak. Like go if you look at Virginia, it's not like it's not Virginia is not Oregon. Oregon you might get three or four division one athletes every year. Virginia, you take those top ten players, they're all four and five star recruits. Tidewater. That that is a recruiting hotbed of Penn State's and Alabama's for a reason and Ohio State. If you're seeing Ohio State go into your backyard and recruit, it might be because there's really talented recruits in your backyard. So avoiding them for that kid over in Texas, is it's asinine to me the way he has approached recruiting, which is why I don't think they're going to last. But I think this year, I think they do have a really nice roster. I think Hendon Hooker's absolutely an amazing quarterback. That I, and I don't think Justin Fuente is actually getting everything out of him that he could be. Um, but I just think it's one of those things where it's like, I don't trust Ryan Day as the head coach of Ohio State, but there's too much talent at Ohio State for them to not be great. I think Virginia Tech's in a situation where comparatively to the ACC coastal opponents they're going to face, they've got too much talent on that team for them to not win a lot of games this year. I can see that, but I could also just completely sell Virginia Tech and expect them to go 6-6 six and six best and uh, Baby Beamer come back and build that program like his father did. Let's um, – oh, I, hey, I, I think if, if Fuente leaves – Getting Baby Beamer back at Virginia Tech, I think, would delight a lot of Hokie fans. Um, all right, let's talk about one team that you mentioned earlier. You, you said you're going to sell Texas A&M. I nearly, I nearly had this team in my top ten. And, Ben, I have no idea what to do with them. The Aggies, to me, feel like the Ferrari of college football teams. Electric, <laughs> really exciting, really exciting. But I don't want to own one because it's not going to do very well in snow. 
Um, I, I, I don't really know how that necessarily relates to college football. I just know, listen, Vegas <laughs> has this team at nine and a half wins before the scheduling nonsense. Nine and a half wins. They've got Auburn at nine and LSU at nine. I don't think Texas A&M is as good as either one of those teams. But I wouldn't bite the other way either. It'd be really easy for me to say they only return four starters on defense and let's sell this team because that's an area where they struggle. The problem is, is they have four seniors starting on defense and they only have two underclassmen starting on defense. So despite the lack of returning starters, they've got a lot of experience on this roster. They also have, in my opinion, the best receiving core in the SEC. Cameron Buckley, Jamon Ospin are now joined by freshman five-star recruit Damon DeMoss. Not only is Kellen Mond a really good quarterback, which again, he might be a little overrated. I'm not going to deny that, but I think he's still really talented. Now you're giving him pieces, three really, really good pieces. Of course, if you're going to bet on this team, just keep in mind, you're also betting on Jimbo Fisher, who does not have a history of winning big games despite his one championship year at Florida State. I think I think Texas A&M, Ben, actually has a lot of value early in the season. I think they could surprise anyone. And if they're going to start off with you know Alabama or Georgia or LSU or whoever, I think it wouldn't shock me at all if Texas A&M goes in and wins that game. But I'm going to sell this team late. Because I think once teams start figuring out Kellen Mond and coordinators get some more tape on him and get some more tape on this offense, I think they're going to start confusing him a little bit, and that's where I think he's going to struggle. And Jimbo Fisher isn't a good enough coach, in my mind, to prepare him for that. So I've got Texas A&M, really good team. Really good team. But I'm not going to buy that team. I'm not going to sell that team. If you're going to take an over-under, I would not bet any money one way or the other on Texas A&M because I think they could go... I think they could be really, really good. I think they could struggle. Yeah. Um, look, they have the pieces, but I don't think they have the plan. And Jimbo Fisher, he he had such a good team coming into it. Yeah, I know they didn't win well the past few years before he came in. But I don't think he's built it up like they need to. Um, it, it may have been, you know, look, Auburn gave away that 2013 national championship by just kicking it around at the end of the game. They were up by like two touchdowns at half or more. Uh, still hurts for that, but I, I just don't see it for Texas A&M, man. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, so next week what we're going to start doing is we're going to preview. We're going to start previewing the Power 5 conferences. We're not going to do a deep dive on the group of five conferences. I'm sorry. Um, but there's just, there's not enough time for that. Um, plus, I don't know how much Ben wants to talk about you all Lafayette as much as I like the Raging Cajuns. Um, hey, cool name. That's they, They've got a great name. They really do. Um, but anyway, so we're going to start previewing Power 5 conferences next week. Make sure you guys tune in for that. For the rest of you guys, stay safe this weekend. Big hurricane coming to the East Coast. This is the Moneyline Podcast. Have a good night.
He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Man, I feel like money. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.